Women in Today. Faster my good afternoon. It's Tuesday. It's just gone six minutes past two. And this is Women Today on Manx Radio with me, Beth Espy. And me, Christy Dehaven. And on today's programme, Amazon.com has come under fire for selling what is being described as a pro-anorexia sweatshirt. Now, this hoodie bears the phrase anorexia like bulimia, except with self-control. Uh, we're asking just how potentially damaging these sorts of products are. Also today, we hear from a nurse from Nobles Hospital who's taking her skills to the remote villages of rural Uganda. Also, a photograph taken in an airport of a mum looking at her phone while her two-month-old baby lies on the floor has gone viral. Uh, We posted this on the Max Radio Facebook page. It was actually taken a year ago and it's just hit the news again today because uh, the mother in this photograph has felt the need uh, to speak out about what was actually going on in the picture. Uh, Provoked a great deal of strong reaction on uh, Facebook. Just use the hashtag MRWomenToday if you want to take a look at it and take part in the conversation. And also, uh, Morris Powell, presenter of A Little Light Music on Wednesday evenings, is with us. And uh, Morris, we're going to be talking a little bit later about an exciting concert happening in December. Yes, one of the biggest concerts I think the Isle of Man Symphony Orchestra has ever been engaged in. So I shall be looking forward to telling you a little more about that. Wonderful. Thank you for being here, Morris. And as ever, if you'd like to get in touch with us this afternoon, very easy. You can text 166177, email studio at manxradio.com, or as I say, go to Facebook or Twitter just using the hashtag MRWomenToday. But first, Dr. Jeremy Paul is a hugely acclaimed wildlife artist, a very skilled photographer as well, and his latest exhibition has just opened at the Isle Gallery in St. John's. There was a preview at the weekend, so a lucky few got the chance to take a first glimpse of wildlife and art artist view and we are delighted that the man behind the paintbrush is with us this afternoon and uh, I just wonder how you feel when a show opens like this I mean what's going through your mind um, it's it's quite a strange uh, experience even though you know I've been doing the, these things now for getting on for 30 years um, it's quite nerve-wracking um, because you're you're putting yourself on the wall um, and the way I work, it, it's a year's work that you're exhibiting, so it's it's quite nerve-wracking. Uh, my wife says I get a bit ratty beforehand, but I, I <laughs> can't possibly I believe can't that. Possibly believe oh, that, absolutely no. not. No, so. Take us back then. When do you remember first picking up the paintbrush? I was one of these kids at school who was quite good at art, but never really took it seriously. And and I I wanted to be a marine biologist and um, Jacques Cousteau and swanning around in the Caribbean, you know. So my um, sort of all schoolwork and university was all to to do with marine science. But I used to do the occasional drawing. Um, And then, as with most marine biologists, you end up being unemployed at some stage. And I'd been living and working on a remote little Scottish island um, off Skye. And there were only six of us on the island and no TV, no shops, no roads, nothing. And I started painting the the, the birds and uh, wildlife from the island. Um, and then I was unemployed after that. And I thought, well, the only other thing I'd quite like to do is to, um, to, to try my hand at, at wildlife art and take it seriously. And I saw some work at the same time by a Canadian artist called Robert Bateman. Um, and that just completely changed my perception of, of wildlife art. And I, I sort of said to myself, I want, I want to be able to do that. And um, I'm still trying. So You mentioned Robert Bateman. You actually got the chance to meet him, didn't you? Yeah, I, really interesting. I, I saw that he had an exhibition in London. This was down in the mid-80s. And um, I, I went down to London to, to see it. And... 
we got there the day after it had opened and, and he came walking out of the office and he sort of said hello and I was sort of all, you know. Um, and anyway, he came up and spoke to me and then he, he said, where have you come from? And I said, we've just come down from Scotland. And he said, what, to see, to see this? And I said, yeah. And he sort of went away and then he came back and he said, I'm about to go up to, to stay in Scotland on, in the Highlands. Um, why don't you give me a call? And so he invited us over and I spent the weekend with him um, really encouraging um, and then some years later I visited uh, British Columbia and went to see him in his studio and, and again it was just so helpful so yeah. you say that the, um, the wildlife artist community how you're all sort of supportive of each other mostly <laughs> <laughs> mostly um, yeah I mean there's the, you know a lot of us know each other obviously and um, but I, I, I went a few years ago. I went on a, a, a trip to to Botswana, um, a camping safari, with uh, ten other artists, um, which was was interesting. There were some huge egos, you know. So, um, but but mostly, yeah. It's it's funny when artists get together. You don't really talk about art. You you talk about um, prices. You talk about galleries. And then you slag off other artists. You know, so, uh, it's, uh, but it's good fun. It's all in good, good fun. When you um, started out and really started to focus on painting as a career, which I'm guessing is around that time where you, you had a career break, which looking back, I suppose, was actually a very fortuitous thing to happen. But you say you were determined to improve your painting. And I'm really interested about whether, whether being, having an artistic talent is just something that's in you or whether it's something you can acquire. No, I, I strongly believe it's it's um, it's not in you. It's it's something. I, I always liken it to, to learning to play a musical instrument. You know, anybody can can learn to bash out a tune on a piano, but if you want to do it professionally, you have to practice and practice and practice. You have to want to do it, and I'm a strong believer in that. That that's the same with with art. Um, the the only the only bit that I don't have to think about is composition that just comes it's obvious where things should go in a piece of work you know where you leave space where you put things but it's obviously obvious to yeah, you that's, because that's you have a the talent. only bit but the actual the actual being able to to paint is i mean if you saw some of my very early work you wouldn't believe that i could you know make a living as an artist and it's just you know the more you do the better you get um when i got back into marine science having had two years um out um I used to paint for three hours every night because I wanted to do it. Um, and it's the same now. If I've been away on a trip or not painted for a few weeks, the first day or so back in the studio are really hard, you know, because you think, how, how do I do this? You know, so it, it's, it's practice. It's interesting that you're a marine biologist, but you don't actually ever really paint marine biology, do you? Is that just because of the, the nature of it being a difficult thing to capture? No, it, it's just never inspired me in the same way. The marine, the marine science is very much my interest in science, um, and I've never really wanted to, to paint marine subjects. Um, whereas, you know, if, when I'm out and I, you see some birds or wildlife and things you, you, you know it just it, I just want to, to sort of scream oh look at that you know and and do a painting of it whereas marine subjects it's more well I wonder how that relates to that it's it's the science side of it you know so 
And we mentioned um, your fellow wildlife artists. You, you were very close friends with uh, David Shepherd, weren't you, and are still very much involved in his foundation. Yes, I mean, I, I first met David uh, here on the Isle of Man um, probably about 25, 30 years ago. Uh, he came over and did one of his, his road shows. And I was just starting as, a, as an artist and showed him some of my work, and he was, he was very encouraging, um, tried to get me to put more light into the pictures. Um, and then I was involved in his foundation. Um, he does a lot of conservation uh, work. Um, and the, the foundation specifically is, is uh, work on the ground, so they will supply radios to, um, to the, 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 the rangers and things like that. And, you know, simple things like boots and uniforms and things. So it's really practical stuff that they do. So I've been involved with the foundation for quite a few years now. With the work that you see with regards to, to conservation through the foundation, does it do you get frustrated by other people not being perhaps as aware as they could be about their environment? It's incredibly frustrating, but it's a very complex issue. I mean, you you, you go to some places and you see the environmental degradation. I've, I've just come back from Madagascar, and that's an ecological disaster, most of it, because they've cut down all the trees, there's soil erosion, they're just bare hillsides. Um, you know, and this is a place which has a unique fauna and flora, and um, it's just tragic. But then there is an incredible poverty in the country. It's one of the, the poorest countries in the world, and you can't blame, you know, a local family going to cut down a tree so he can cook food, for food you know. So it's, it's a very complex uh, issue. Um, and um, it, I think one of the worst things is, is uh, the palm oil industry, for example. I was in Borneo a few years ago, and you fly across the country, and it's just mile after mile of palm oil plantation where it should be rainforest, you know. Uh, but you try buying something without palm oil in it. You know, mm. it's very difficult. But it's, it's not a simple thing, and wildlife in, in some of these areas um, has to sort of pay its way in, in, in some respects. I mean, I saw some some very good examples in Madagascar where local communities are beginning to realise that uh, by preserving um, their sort of local forest, they can get people like myself to come and visit and pay, you know, to, to eat in the local restaurant. You pay the local guides and that money goes back into the community. So they can see uh, a reason for, for keeping the, the trees and the, the lemurs in this case. You know, so. We mentioned Madagascar. Um, you've also been to Costa Rica and also India in preparation for this latest exhibition. I understand you had a bit of a close encounter with a tiger. Well, it depends what you mean by close encounter. I mean, Closer than I'd like, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, the, it, it, I mean, I've, I've been incredibly lucky. I've seen some amazing wildlife but nothing, absolutely nothing compares to seeing a tiger come out of the forest sort of 20 yards away from you. It just, it's, it's a sort of a visceral response you have and it's, uh, it's just, I, I, I don't have the words to describe it, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, mind you, I wouldn't want to be out of a vehicle. <laughs> you know, so because they're tigers, but most wildlife, if you're in a, if you're in a vehicle, um, it's the same in Africa, it just ignores you because it doesn't equate the vehicle with something to eat, you know, basically. So. so how do you work then? Because um, I mentioned the photography. Do you just paint purely from the picture? What, what do you do? When I, it, it's the same with what I do here on the island. I, I go out and I 
take hundreds and hundreds of photographs. Um, when I've been on a trip, I'll come back with a, a whole photo library of, of the place. So not just the wildlife, but the trees, bits of rock, the landscape, you know, dead wood, the lot. And then I'll sort through all that and I'll put together what I consider is a, a good composition using probably five or six pictures that I've taken and you'll take bits out of the, out of them. So the, the photographs are really just a tool to create the paintings. Um, and when I set out as a, as a, as a wildlife artist, um, I sort of, I decided I wouldn't paint anything until I've actually seen it in the wild. Because for me, the environment is, as, is as important as, you know, anybody can go to a, a zoo and photograph a tiger, but to see one in the forest in India, um, and you get all the light and the grasses and everything correct, um, then that's, that's for me, is what, what makes a, a painting. So what can people expect from this exhibition? Um, there's, there's a mixture. I mean, there's, there's a couple of paintings of, of the tigers from India. Um, there's a couple of paintings from Costa Rica. There's wolves from Yellowstone. Um, and there's quite a few Isle of Man-based uh, pictures. So it's a mixture of places I've been and things I've seen. And when you bring all that material back to work from... Um, what is your studio set up like at home? I'm intrigued because it's always a really <laughs> fascinating space, isn't it? That private artist studio. It's my space, my mess. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I work in, it used to be my garage and I just converted that into a studio. So, um, um, yeah, it's a mess really. <laughs> There's bits of stuff everywhere. Um, nowadays all the images are on uh, on laptops but I, i've got a you know filing cabinet full of 35 millimeter slides which i'll dip into and uh, look at and, and things so uh, it you know i could do with a bigger studio but then you know that's the way it goes we've recently spoken with um artists svetlana cameron and, and bruno kavlik about their work and they listen to music when they paint do you ever listen to music i it's it's strange i i probably work better to speech radio so i mean i hate to say it in the, in in here but probably don't say to, it don't I say listen it to a certain <laughs> certain radio number <laughs> all day one uh, radio one listen to radio no, one all ra day radio long. four i'm afraid <laughs> um that's on pretty well all day um but then if there's something i don't then yeah i do listen to music um uh, my my children try to educate with me with uh, more up-to-date stuff but i'm afraid i go back to the uh, the oldies I find it interesting that you listen to speech radio because yeah. I would have thought that would be quite distracting because your paintings are so detailed you'd think you'd have to be you know incredibly focused on them to get those those marks in yeah no I mean a lot of it um, yes there are times when you you really do and but I, I seem to be able to to sort of switch off and and almost paint on automatic because I've been doing it for so long I know exactly the process to go through to produce the uh, the result that I want um, and I can I can paint quite happily quite complex things while listening to the radio at the same time so uh, um, yeah no it's 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 strange really um, music can be sort of a distraction as well in the the speed of the music can change how you paint you know um, but uh, no do you prefer to be quite solitary when you're involved in a project particularly with a with a deadline looming um, yeah I'm 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 pretty happy in, in my own company and, and my wife says that I get really ratty if somebody comes into the studio. Well, That's the artistic temperament, is it? Well, I don't know about that. but uh, um, No, I, I, 
Yeah, I, I'm quite happy on my own. You know, well, you have to be um, because I, I mean, I paint for sort of eight hours a day, um, and you know, I could go for 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 weeks without seeing anyone else but the family, sort of thing. Sometimes, so uh, um, yeah, I just get on with it. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing about being a professional artist. You you have to. Um, you, you just have to do it and get on with it. You can't just can't say, oh, I don't feel like it today, you know. Um, although if the, if the weather's really good or something, I'll go hill walking and pretend I'm working, you know. Uh, <laughs> when you think of the incredible places that you've been all over the world, it does make me wonder, I mean, I, I think I know why I would, but it makes me wonder why you'd want to come to the Isle of Man to live than any of these other places. What is it about the Isle of Man? Well, I mean, I first came to the island as a student at, uh, at the Marine Station in Port Erin, and then then I came back in the, the late 80s um, and with two small children um, and it was it's just a fabulous place to live and particularly for children to grow up you know and you know from where I live in, in Colby uh, within 10 minutes I could be down on at the chasms you know watching the seabirds or 10 minutes the other way I can be up on South Brule and you've got hen harriers and peregrines and you know it's just uh, it's just wonderful so that. it doesn't matter that we haven't got any tigers then? <laughs> no. I mean, there are lemurs at the wildlife park, but, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing them in the wild is something something special. So. Uh, intrigued to know, Jeremy, if you've been to Uganda on your travels? Um, no, I haven't. Um, it's it's one of the places I would like to go. The, the, the only sort of big animal that I've not seen <coughs> in the wild <coughs> is uh, mountain gorillas. Ooh. And there are two places to see those. One's Uganda and the other's Rwanda. Um, and I've looked at going there. Um, but my daughter, bless her, vetoes it. <laughs> she said, you're not you're not going there. It's too dangerous. Um, <gasps> because she had some friends who, who went to Rwanda and they were held up at gunpoint. And <gasps> so, so, I mean, my daughter, you know, she's watched me go off all over the world over the years. But she said, no, you're not going there. <laughs> so, Have you ever felt in danger, whether it's with the animals or with, with other human beings? Um, put it this way, I'm, I'm happier when I get out in the bush rather than in the cities in places like Africa and uh, um, no I, I, I've never really felt in danger because you you know I don't just go and wander off on my own you, you go with people who um, you know are professional guides who know what they're doing I know quite a bit about wildlife but you know you wouldn't go wandering around a jungle in Costa Rica or you know the in in Africa on on your own without somebody who's uh, who knows knows what to do so uh, no not really <laughs> Dr Jeremy Paul I'd like to ask your views on uh, social media shaming uh, well I don't know being I I just think that people spend far too much time commenting on other people's lives um, and posting their own lives on social media as well I mean you know it's the the things that I get coming up on my face I mean I do Facebook because I have to um, as anyone sort of uh, in, in sort of trying to run a business or whatever but the things that come up it's just just ridiculous yeah and, and it's, it's context as well mm -hmm. yeah. it really is and it's a conversation yeah. that we have time and time again because it keeps on yeah. happening we have been joined in the studio this afternoon by the wildlife artist and photographer dr jeremy paul whose exhibition has just opened at the art gallery in st john's it is on until november the 12th so do go along and see that um but we wanted to know, one of our many questions, because there are many, many more, but we wanted to know, um, what is your favourite animal to paint? I really don't have one. It, it all depends on what I've sort of seen last, you know. Uh, 
I, I know one or two artists who paint nothing but big cats and things like that, and I would just get so bored with doing spots and stripes, you know. Um, so I get a, just as much pleasure doing, you know, the sparrows in my back garden as um, going to do the more exotic things, you know. So uh, I, I really don't have a, have a favourite. How is it you manage to get the character into them? Because, you know, you look at that, it's, that's not just, I'm looking at some art in front of me, you've got one of your postcards here, that is not just a painting of a tiger. You can almost feel the tiger moving through the grass and he has a definite mood in his eyes. How on earth do you do that? Well, that, you know, this is this is part of the job in, in you know, I say it's, it's, you know, the reason I have to go to India is to photograph them in the wild. Um it's knowing your subject and studying them and knowing how animals behave, knowing a bit about their biology, the ecology, and bringing it all together with the, the environment. It's, it's knowing the subject and uh, trying to get that into the paintings, which is the, you know, like, I hope it does come across as not just a painting of a tiger, but it says something about the tiger as a, as a big cat, as a predator, as, a, you know, sort of a wonderful animal. So. You say, Jeremy, that your aim as an artist remains as it always has been, not just to illustrate, but also to impart the atmosphere, the experience of seeing wildlife. And I just wonder about the feedback you get from people who, who see your paintings. Um, I get some really nice feedback from people, um, you know, people who say that they just give a lot of pleasure and things out of seeing my work. Um, I think also I, I try and to sort of do some sort of educating on, on wildlife. Uh, um, and, you know, I get people who, who come into my exhibitions who, who say they've been saving up for, for, for four years to buy a painting of mine. And that, that's really quite humbling, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's really nice when you, when you get... Because, like I say, I, I work on my own most of the time. So it's nice to, to meet people who uh, come and see my work. And so I, I spend quite a lot of time when I've got an exhibition on actually in the, in the gallery and talking to people and uh, things. So, yeah, it's, it's nice, to, nice to meet people occasionally. <laughs> and when it comes to, to setting up the exhibition, how involved are you about what goes where? How, um, I suppose, how much of a control freak are you oh, is totally. what I'm asking. Totally, totally, yeah. It, um, because then I can't blame anyone else if it doesn't look right. So, yeah, I'm, I do all the placing of the, the pictures and help with the hanging and everything, yeah. And yeah. what's the next project? Um, well, having just gone to, to Madagascar and I'm sorting through all the images, um, I'm in fact hoping to do a Lima painting before the end of this exhibition, so, uh, and perhaps sort of unveil it as such towards the end of the show. So, so I need to work on, on something from that. And, but I've got so much material, it's, it's the time that's a problem. You know, it's uh, getting, getting the things done. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this afternoon. Just remind uh, listeners when and where this exhibition is happening. It's at the Isle Gallery, Tinwell Mills, and it's on until the 12th of November. Wonderful. Dr Jeremy Paul, thank you very much indeed. And we will put the details of uh, how you can go along to that exhibition on the Women's Day blog after the programme.